0: Here's a couple of other things I did not do. And one of them is probably the two the two worst habits you have. Did I try to get him to say yes? You guys are hardwired to hear yes. You guys are desperate for it. You guys you guys got an addiction to yes. You didn't know it was going to be that kind of a meeting, did you? Hi. Hi Chris. It's so bad, here's how bad it is, and getting you out of that, you think getting people to say yes, the yes momentum, the yesable proposition, get them to say yes to a lot of little things, and and they say yes to the big thing, you're addicted to that, and getting out of that is gonna be one of the most difficult things you could do. Not complicated, but here's how difficult it's gonna be. Everybody make a fist with either hand. Right thumb up, left forefinger out, now switch. That hurt, didn't it? Switch back. Some of you are going like, I got your left forefinger. <laughs> I saw him right here. You're like, rah, CBC's this. Was that complicated, what I asked you to do? Do you, need to be, do you need to be Elon Musk to know what I was trying to get you to do? No. But it was awkward and it was difficult. I know there's somebody in the back room right now going like, ah, (laughs) ah. Here's the cool thing about that, brain science. The difficulty that you felt trying to get that done is actually the creation of a new neural pathway. Ah, That's a cool idea. The neuroscience rules are the the, the synapses that fire together, wire together. Now your yes habit is hardwired. That road is built and you're used to screaming down that road in your thought processes. Getting out of it is gonna take some repetitions. How many? 63. John Foley, Blue Angel pilot, I heard him give a speech probably about two years ago. He talked about wiring grooves into their brain, which is the same thing as the neural pathways and new habits that I'm talking about. And they, you know, if they don't wire a groove into their brain, these guys crash into each other in the air and people start to die instantly. And he said they did some research on it. I said it took about 63 to 65 repetitions to put a new habit in the brain. But at the very beginning, it's as hard as that was. And you quit and you give up. And you, Because you think it's going to be that hard the whole time. You're like, I'm not doing this anymore. It hurts my head. But you don't know how close you actually are to breaking through a new habit. Everybody knows what the, the bell curve looks like. It, it's very steep, and then it peaks, and then you take off on the other end. We're build, you're building a new habit. Some of the new habits I'm going to share with you today, at the beginning, you just see how steep this thing is initially. and You're like, you know, this is too hard. I'm not doing this anymore. But I gotta get you out of the yes habit. I gotta get you out of that. That is the worst thing you could possibly do. And here's where you're, I'm gonna ask you to change your wiring because you got an addiction. I'm here to talk to you about your addiction. You didn't know it was gonna be one of those meetings, right? You're thinking, I went to that one last week. (laughs) So the guy stands up and he says, hi, I'm Chris. And you all go, hi, Chris. Here's what you're addicted to. You love this word. You love this word. Feels so good to hear yes. Woo-hoo. You love hearing yes. You know, there's a story that John Lennon, when he first started falling in love with Yoko Ono, he went to an art exhibit that she put together, and it was kind of this obstacle course thing, and you climbed over stuff, and you crawled under stuff. You came to this rickety ladder. You climbed up this rickety ladder, and the top of the ladder was a telescope, and you looked through the telescope, in tiny letters on a far wall was the word yes. But it's a problem. It's always a hook, right? Now you guys get addicted to this, and there's actually a study out there that says you should do it. Cause it says all you gotta do to get to yes, which even to this day, it's sold more copies than my book. First you ask somebody to say yes to something little. Then you get them to say yes to something else little. Then you get the third little one. And then, bang, you got them. Right? It's called momentum selling. It's called the yes Momentum. Many of you, if you've been to trial, you've been taught, never ask a witness a question you don't know the answer to in advance, which means you're gonna close down the question, you're gonna make it a yes or no, and more than likely it's gonna be a yes. So you're willing to admit that you are on a planet Earth because you're gonna lead them down a path. Ain't no you're leading them down a path. In sales it's called the yes momentum or momentum selling and it says, get them to say yes to the little things and you tie them down, they can't get away. Do you like that? It's a violation of your basic basic nature to autonomy, your right to autonomy. If, I, if you pick up the phone, phone rings. You pick up the phone. Voice on the other end of the phone says, "Have you got a few minutes to talk?" What's your gut reaction? Your gut reaction, a lot of quick automatic notes. But wait a minute! I'm just trying to get you to say yes to something little. What's the matter with that? Well, the problem is whenever you say yes, you don't know what, yourself, what you're letting yourself in for. And have you got a few minutes to talk? It's pretty simple. You ask yourself, if I have a few minutes to talk, do I want to talk to you? If I have a few minutes to talk and I want to talk to you, do I want to talk about what you want to talk about? There isn't a man or woman alive that haven't, hasn't gotten a call from their significant other and he or she on the other end of the phone says, can we talk? And you think to yourself, well, I like talking to you, but I don't think I want to talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> then after that is, how long is a few minutes? My next young, younger sister calls me on the phone when she's got an hour drive in front of her. Have you got a few minutes to talk? That's also code for, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. Uh, another friend of mine, a colleague, happens to be an attorney, but just, that just happens to be how he's wired. He lays out this entire agenda. He's going to have you on the phone for at least 45 minutes, and he says, have you got a few minutes to talk? Typically a few minutes is 45 to an hour. And then the last question you ask yourself at the end of it, how do I get off the phone? So the first problem is you guys got to stop this. You got to to get out of this yes stuff. I'm here to tell you that every time you try to get somebody to say yes, it makes them concerned. And they get defensive and they get their backup and they start to worry about what they're letting themselves in for. Experiment with it. Don't take my word for it. Look around you. A couple of years ago before my my son, who's now my director of operations and our best negotiator, while he was still trying to grasp this, we come out of a training, the security guard that led us in to the secure building, the same guy that led us in in the morning is there waiting when we come out. He's got on a uniform that says he works for Allied Security. And at the time, my son was saying, I don't think people are always nervous about saying yes. So we're standing in front of the security guard. He's at work. He's seen us before. He's got his Allied Security uniform on. And I look at him and I go, Do you work for Allied Security? And he goes, What makes you ask? I just look at my son and I go, what do you want from me? you will be shocked. Doesn't matter what it is. It's today, Friday, somebody asks you that. You know they're going someplace with that. And you're gonna be reluctant. There may have been a point in time, and actually there's an academic study that refers to this as mere agreement, and they say it works. When you look at any study, make sure you look at how they gathered the data and decide for yourself whether or not they thought it was legitimate data. Because I've seen a lot of studies, and I have no doubt there's one out there that says playing basketball makes you tall. People will misinterpret the data. This doesn't work. Ask yourself how much you like it. So some of you should be thinking like, all right, now, now what am I supposed to do? You guys know who this is? Jack, Jack Welch, right? Jack Welch is at a book signing in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. I'm going to the book signing, I'm gonna ask Jack to come speak to the negotiation course I teach at USC. I'm gonna stand in line with 300 people. Everybody, how many of the people in that line when they get up to Jack Welch, you think they're gonna try to ask Jack Welch to do something? Pretty much all of them, right? How many people that day try to get Jack Welch to say yes to something. How jumpy are they when I come up and I get within arm's length of Jack Welch? Am I gonna stand there and talk to him for 20 minutes? I got 300 people in line behind me. Do they know who I am? Have they got my ID? Have they put me through a metal detector? Do they know whether or not I'm carrying a gun? As it turns out, I am carrying a gun. They don't know that. I get this close to Jack Welch, I could do whatever I want to him. I can hurt them if I want. They can't stop me. No shortage of reasons why people are jumping. You or me, what do you say? You wanna come talk to my class? Trying to get them to say yes or something, right? Yes is a trap. I told you yes is a trap, which you haven't been willing to, to experiment with and see yet, but you will if you look for it at all. Here's what I said to Jack Welch. And this, is, this part of the hack is just insanely stupid. I said, is it a ridiculous idea for you to come and speak at the negotiation course I teach at USC? Notice which word I'm looking for. He looks at me and then he looks up and to the left and he gets this intense scowl on his face, this really intense scowl and he freezes. And it's a move. And I think to myself, I just killed Jack Walsh. (laughs) Because the dude's old, right? And he's so furious, he just had a stroke, and he's going to fall over dead right in front of me. So when he doesn't die initially, I'm relieved. But he still doesn't unfreeze. Now I'm thinking, he looks furious. And he's going to start yelling, security. Instead, he looks at me and he says, this is my personal assistant's name. This is a special Twitter account we have set up to communicate with her. I will call her and tell her who you are and what you're after. I think we're gonna be in Los Angeles in the fall. If we're in Los Angeles in the fall, we'll come and speak to your class. How many answers was that? How many questions would you have normally had to ask to get that many answers? Who should I speak to? How do I get a hold of them? Will you call them and let them know that I'm gonna be calling? Will they know who I am? What's your schedule look like? Give that some thought. On a consistent and regular basis, as nervous as people are about saying yes, they feel so comfortable saying no, which you will be shocked at what people are willing to say no to comfortably, that they will then lay out what. Five more answers. A calibrated no is worth at least five yeses. You guys think you like yes? What if you could get five to seven yeses all in a row based on one question? We see this regularly. When it's important, I do not bother with the word yes. I have no use for the word. I get five times farther triggering no regularly any one of your yes questions can be switched to are you against do you disagree have you given up on is it a ridiculous idea is it a bad idea drop that in the front of your yes questions you'd be shocked at how much farther you get instantly most of the people that we train don't even bother with the word yes anymore. It's a useless word. Yes, first of all, yes is nothing without how anyway, because there's three kinds of yeses, commitment, confirmation, and counterfeit. And since that yes momentum nonsense has been used on us so much, people get real good at getting the, giving the counterfeit yes. Because you've heard it before when, and thought you had a deal and had it fall apart, haven't you? It's happened to everybody. Don't bother with the word. Now, what happens if triggering no is not enough? Here's where you want to be. This is the response you want to get out of people. Not your right, because your right is what they say when you're making your case. And you know when they say your right to you when you're making your case, what do they want? They want you to shut up. If we joke around this about this inside my company. We say "You're right" is code for "Shut the fuck up." But people say it in order to preserve the relationship, but it gets you to shut up. As a matter of fact, you do it all the time. You got a colleague who won't leave, leave you alone. You want them to shut up and go away. You look them in the eye and go, "You're right," and they leave. <laughs> and you go back to what you were doing. They come storming back in the next day. I thought I agreed. We talked blah blah blah. You look at them again and go, "You're right," and they leave again. I'm tell- I know that every person in this room did this at least once this week. But that's right is the difference. Now, what would you have done normally? You know, how many would you like? Would you please commit now? Can you pay before the close of business tomorrow would be the normal thing? But it's going to be too late. But I, you help people think by switching out of yes and into no. I don't bother with Yes. We don't bother with yes. I could, I could go, I could belabor it at length. Yes is commitment, commitment creates anxiety. No is protection. Protection makes people feel safe and secure and helps them think. Anxiety interferes with people's thought processes. Every time you try to get somebody to say yes to something, you're creating anxiety because they say to themselves, well, what have I let myself in for? What's the catch, what's the hook, where's this going? What are you trying to do to me? These are anxiety creating instances which interfere with their ability to make decisions. It's not me telling you this. This is neuroscience. Anxiety slows the brain. Don't take my word for it. Remember, you don't get in life what's fair, you get what you negotiate. If you wanna become a better negotiator, click the link in the description below. You've got an issue where something has gone wrong with the purchase or sale of a house? I got bad news, this happened, this is how we're going to deal with it. They will love you for that. They know things are going to go wrong. They don't expect perfection, but they want to be able to rely on you. And you begin to put things in context for them, and that's when your expertise as a real estate professional really begins to shine. All the reasons why they hired you in the first place, because of your knowledge of the market and demonstrating how you're gonna deal with glitches. Because regardless of the market, you guys know they are problems. You know, meteors are coming. This is how you handle it in an emotionally intelligent way. So, who's this guy? Is this guy crazy? Is he high? What's this American smoking? What's wrong with yes? That was what they, you know, why is yes wrong? It was a chapter that sold my book to my publisher. It was initially, yes is the last thing you want to hear. And yes has been described. as the most beautiful word in the English language. How could it be? How could it be the last thing we want to hear? And the most famous negotiating book in the world is getting to. Yes. Right. And even Dr. Cialdini, who was here yesterday. He's got a book called 50 Scientifically Proven Ways to Get to Yes, which I bought because it's like 50 ways to leave your lover, right? It's 50 scientifically proven ways to get to yes. I want those 50 ways because we love yes. It's an interesting story. Um, supposedly, when John Lennon first began to fall in love with Yoko Ono, You went to this art exhibit that she'd put together. It was like this obstacle course art exhibit where you climbed over stuff and you crawled under stuff and then you got to this rickety ladder and you climbed the ladder and at the top was a telescope. And you look through the telescope and far letters on the far, in small letters on a far wall with the words, yes. Let me ask you something. Phone on the other, you pick up the phone. The voice says, have you got a few minutes to talk? What do you initially, what's your initial reaction? You tighten up. A few minutes to talk. Five or a few minutes to talk, do I want to talk to you? If I have a few minutes to talk and I want to talk to you, do I want to talk about what you want to talk about? You know, there's not a man on the planet that hasn't got a call from the most important person in the world. He picks up the phone and she says, can we talk? And he thinks, well, hmm. I know I like talking to you, but somehow I don't think I want to talk about what you want to talk about. After that, how long is a few minutes? I got, a, I got an attorney colleague. He gets this long agenda. He calls me on the phone and says, have you got a few minutes to talk? It's 45 every time, right? And finally, how do I get off the phone? Now what's the problem with that? all these things are going through somebody's mind if they've said yeah yes okay go ahead but all these things are going through their mind they're not paying attention that's the first problem the second problem is nobody ever asks you to say yes to anything unless it's going someplace would you like to make more money would you like to be more successful would you like to have more free time buy my book (laughs) nobody ever asks you yes unless it's going someplace ever and experiment with this a little bit because you cannot get a straight flat yes out of anybody my son and i were talking about this the other day we walked up to a guy he was a security guard in a building that we we're in. He had the name of his guard company on his, on his uniform, Allied Security. So we walk up and we're handing him our identification on the way out. And I look at him and I said, do you work for Allied Security? He goes, well, yeah. Couldn't give me a straight yes. People can't say yes straight out because people are worried about what it's going to let them, let them in for because yes is always leading them into a trap. Always, 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 always. student of mine at uh, USC is going on a honeymoon in a resort off-season, and they're offering discounts in the regular rooms off-season but not in the bungalows. He knows the bungalows are empty. He wants to negotiate, but they're not offering discounts. He, he wants a discount on a bungalow. He gets the manager on the phone and he says, it's the off season, right? Simply trying to confirm an innocent fact, but his manager knows it's going someplace. Everybody does this. Experiment with it. Stop this weekend or tonight. Next time you're at a shopping mall, go to your favorite store. What's a, what's a, what's a store? I know you guys don't have, do you guys have Nordstrom's? Do you have Nordstrom's here? Go to your favorite store in the mall. Stand outside. I, I, I was a, there was a Woolworths over here in the, in the shopping center. I saw all right, stand outside Woolworths. Stop people just before they're going in. Say, do you like shopping at Woolworths? I bet they don't go in. I bet if you do that long enough, they call the police on you. I didn't try to get him to say yes. Not once. Yes is the most useless word out there. We don't even bother with it. If we need to close something, I never use it to close, ever. We don't, we don't, it's a useless word. There are three kinds of yeses, commitment, confirmation, and counterfeit. But on the flip side of it is, you all got a bad Jones to yes. You're addicted to it bad. This is going to be hard for you to get out of it because typically, first of all, you bring somebody in and you say, would you like to have wonderful office space? Would you like to retain your employees for years? Would you like to have great terms? Take a look at our proposal. Every yes is a hook. Everybody knows yes is a hook. Everybody knows there's a hook buried in every yes. And The crazy thing about that, this is a word, it depends upon what side we're on, how we react to it. Because hearing it, we want to hear it. Yes has been described as one of the most beautiful words in the language, the most beautiful word in the language. And there's a story. John Lennon. John Lennon began to fall in love with Yoko Ono when he went to an art exhibit she had, and it was kind of an obstacle course thing. He crawled over stuff and he climbed up stuff, and he came to a ladder and you're climbed this rickety ladder. And at the top of the ladder was a telescope, and you looked through the telescope, and a little bit of letters on a far wall was the word "yes." Yeah. So we love to hear it, but we're completely blinded as to how we start to react instantly when somebody tries to get us to say it. Phone rings. You pick it up, and the other, and the voice says, "Have you got a few minutes to talk?" What's your gut reaction? Yeah. Everybody's gut reaction is no. Is there anybody, is, seriously? Is there anybody in this room that, when somebody says, "Have you got a few minutes to talk?" You go, "Thank God you called. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes." Just ask me anything. Every time I say yes, I'm going to feel wonderful. No. Where's the hook, what's the catch? What am I lending myself in for? Where's this going? Have you got a few minutes to talk? As only an individual example, first question you ask yourself, if I have a few minutes to talk, do I wanna to talk to you? <laughs> if I have a few minutes to talk and I wanna to talk to you, do I wanna talk about what you wanna talk about? <laughs> there isn't one of us who hasn't received a call from our significant other, man or woman. Man gets a call from a significant other, most important person in the world to him. She says, can we talk? he thinks, well, I like talking to you, but I don't think I want to talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> then after that is, how long is a few minutes? My next younger sister calls me on the phone. If you got a few minutes to talk, it's always 45. She's, and that's usually when she has a 45 minute to an hour drive in front of her, and she wants to talk to me, which means at me, which means I don't say a word for 45 minutes. And I, I got another male colleague. He's an attorney. He's got a, he's got thinks stuff through. He's got a big long forty five minute agenda stuff. He wants to walk I me mean, all the way through. Have you got a few minutes to talk? Forty five. The last question after that is, how do I get off the phone? Yes, there's a problem. Look around. Watch people. About two years ago, my director of operations is my son, chief negotiation op- officer of the Black Swan Group, cuts all our deals. He's a great negotiator. You would be, too, if you'd been dealing with me since you were three years old, right? <laughs> He's the only kid in high school who had, had a curfew. He's like, you're a hostage negotiator. You're putting a deadline on me. You talk people out of deadlines. He never could understand it, so he just learned how to talk me out of deadlines. But he, uh, a couple years ago, he still wasn't absolutely convinced that, that yes made people uncomfortable. And so we're coming out of a building over here in Jersey, a client that we're teaching, and he says, you know, I just don't think people are always get worried about saying yes. And we're at the security guard who that morning had let us in. So he'd given us our passes. He was sitting there at work on duty. He had a uniform on, said Allied Security. So I looked at the security guard. I said, do you work for Allied Security? And he went, Yes? And I looked at my son and I went, <laughs> What do you want from me? Guy's sitting here in uniform, Allied security, he's got his guard up because I asked him to work for Allied security. And, and here's to give you an idea of how much of a problem it's going to be for you to get out of that. And this is a problem because your, neuro, your neurons are wired to do this. Everybody make a fist with either hand put your right thumb up put your left forefinger out some of you natural new yorkers make sure that's the forefinger please now switch switch back pick it up, come on, don't give up, come on, come on he just had a stroke Somebody call the ambulance. (laughs) Was what I asked you to do complicated? No. Was it difficult? Yes. The cool thing about that though is, and some of you had trouble getting that forefinger out in the first place, (laughs) that was actually the creation of a new neural synapse in your brain. It's kind of a cool thing to think about. And how come I can do this? practice. The synapses that fire together wire together. It doesn't take that much practice to build a new skill, but you're going to have trouble getting out a yes because your yes neurons are going to fire. And you're going to think, I'm just trying to get a yes because I'm trying to be respectful and appreciative. And I'm not the person that was selling them swamp land in Florida or the building that's on the African burial ground that we don't want them to know about or whatever the problem is. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. What happens if as a sincere, decent human being you try to give a battered child a hug? They flinch anyway, right? We've been pounded with this yes stuff for years. And just take a look around, watch your own reactions. Take my offer on this to you as a hypothesis. Take anything that I say as a hypothesis. What does that mean? What's your obligation? You gotta test it out. Maybe there's enough that what I said is just worth going out and finding out and seeing if you see it at all, seeing if it's true. You should be worried about your addiction to yes. One of the single biggest contributors to people not getting back to you on the phone. How many of you have people that are not getting back to you on the phone? We call them non-responders. There was a CEO of a company that we were interacting with recently. We gave him an instantaneous fix for this, which I will give to you. And he sent us an email back and he said, I'm 12 for 12 on my non-responders. All 12 got back to me instantly. Now if the CEO of the company's 12 for 12, how many non-responders are going on in his company and how much is that costing them? Because your non-responders are the, the proposals, they're the deals that you're chasing. And there's an old saying in business, it's not a bad thing to not get the deal. It's a bad thing to take a long time to not get the deal. That's what's killing you. And the non-responders are the people that you're chasing and chasing and chasing. You know how many non-responders I have or anybody in my company has? Zero. Zero. And I will happily tell you that I'm a non-responder to a number of people that are chasing us. (laughs) Because they're not dialing in properly to me. They're not taking the time to pay attention or give me this yes nonsense, or they're sending me an email that's a page long. How many of you like reading long emails? (laughs) How many of you send them? Hmm? It's, a, it's the same thing. It's crazy how different it is depending upon what side you are on something and how oblivious we could be. We hate long emails. We send them. You hate them, you send them. So what do you do instead? Besides stopping this, what do I want you to do? There's two things I want you to do. Here's the first one. Recognize this guy? Some of you do, some of you don't. Jack Welch, author of Jack and Winning, alongside his, with his wife, Susie. They're coming through uh, Los Angeles a couple of years ago. They're, they're, they're hustling their book, The Real Life MBA. I go to the book signing Jack Welch is at. I want him to come speak to the negotiation course I'm teaching at the time at USC. How many people try to get Jack Welch to say yes to something at that book signing? Pretty much every one of them, right? They're going to come up to Jack, how are you? My, yeah, My kid makes, my wife makes a great meatloaf. You want to come to the house tonight? God knows what they're going to ask him. Jack, I got this invention. Would you pose with it? How many people are going to ask him to try to say yes? That day, that week. How many people try to get Jack Welch to say yes to something? You or me, you come up to Jack Welch, what do you say? And how much time do you have? You maybe got seven seconds. And even if you get to the second response after him, there's 300 people standing behind you in line. They walk you up there. Before you get to them, they say, what's your name? Chris, right on a piece of paper so Jack doesn't get it wrong. Really, that's so you don't, so you don't talk to him and that you keep moving. On top of that, have they patted me down? Do they know whether or not I've got a gun? Have I been through a metal detector? As a matter of fact, I do have a gun, but he's not in trouble for me. They don't have my identification. They don't know I'm not gonna hurt them. I'm gonna get within arm's length of Jack Welch. Action is quicker than reaction. They can't stop me from doing anything I want to do. This is, this is the dilemma of bodyguards. You get within arm's length of the target, you can only stop them after they've done it. You can grab them after they've killed your target, but you can't stop them. I'm, I'm gonna get within arm's length of Jack Welch. They, I could do whatever I want. I could walk up to him. I could kiss him right on the lips if I want to, right? <laughs> He was falling asleep. I want to make sure he's waked up. He's going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Ah! (laughs) I walk up to Jack Welch, and this is what I say to him. Is it a ridiculous idea for you to come and speak at the negotiation course that I teach at USC? He looks up and to the left and gives this really intense scowl on his face. And he just freezes. And I think to myself, I just killed Jack Welch. <laughs> he had a stroke. He's so furious. And he's going to die. And the security's going to tackle me. and going to drag me on cuffs. And I'm going to say, but I'm an FBI agent. We don't care. You killed Jack Welch. So initially, when he doesn't die, I'm relieved, but he still doesn't move. But finally, he unfreezes and he looks at me and he says, this is my personal assistant's name. This is a special Twitter account we have set up to communicate with her. I will call her and tell her who you are and what you want. I think we're gonna be in Los Angeles in the fall. If we are, we'll come in and speak at your class. Calibrated no is worth at least five yeses. No joke. Because think of all the things that he thought through and went ahead and answered for me by triggering the no. Don't be horrified of no. As a matter of fact, you'll be shocked at how much farther, how much faster you can get as soon as you start going for no instead of yes. Because when people say no, they feel safe and protected. Again, data of situations. There's, There's supposedly teenagers know how to negotiate with parents because they don't take no for an answer. It's not teenagers and parents, it's humans and humans. And teenagers have learned that after a parent says no, they'll probably listen. When my now director of operations was 17, and he said, Dad, can I? I would say, no. And then I would would say, all right, so what was it that you wanted again? (laughs) Because I felt good. I'd already said no, I was willing to listen. We do this constantly. We do this around the world. We do this in every industry. There are stereotypes out there. There are stereotypes that Asians and Arabs will not say no. We get them to say no all the time. Theoretically, uh, uh, an Arab's version of no is inshallah, which again, like uh, all this cross-cultural negotiation. If an Arab says inshallah to you, you're in trouble. What kind of shape are you in if an American says, I'll try? It ain't happening, is it? There's an American version, there's an Arab version. Why? Because they're just people. They're using different words for the exact same things. People are people across the planet. And this is what happens. Don't even bother with yes, we don't bother with it. Any yes question you have can be flipped over to, are you against, do you disagree, is it a ridiculous idea, have you given up on, is our just short of perfect response to the non-responder. Have you given up on doing business with the Black Swan Group? Have you given up on X, Y, Z? You send that email out and understand it's after a relationship that's been going for a while and they've stopped responding to you. They've stopped responding to you for two reasons. They're, they're losing influence on their side and the way you're communicating with them. And principally the way you're communicating with them is to try to get them to say yes or sending them really long emails. And the more yeses you get out of people, the more it erodes and is a toxin on the relationship and a lack of trust. Until finally they just stop getting back to you because all you're doing is you're pitching. You're trying to get them to say yes to stuff. Have you given up on? And you send that email, or you can do it in a text message also. Sit there and wait because you're going to get a response in anywhere from three to five minutes. I'm not kidding. No joke. Try it and see. Humor me. Sit there for five to ten minutes and wait for the response. We've had people on a regular basis tell people that have not gotten back to them for two months responded to have you given up on less than five minutes. Now, what do you do then? There's a little bit of a problem because you're not always going to get to where you want to go with just have you given with the no oriented. When the other person looks at you in the eye and says, that's right. That's when they feel understood. That's when the bond between the two of you have been established. That's when the other person is looking at you and saying, I feel empathy from you. And now, I feel connected to you. I, t- I took this training and uh, I got brought into an oil company. He said, we need, to, uh, we need business negotiation. But I can't pay for that because we're with security and the other executives in the, con- in the company don't want us being negotiating against them. So give us some kidnap negotiation training that'll work in business interactions. What do you got? I said, I got that's right. Let me come down and teach it to you to be perfect. I taught it to him in Peru. I'm back in, in Houston. A few months later, one of the guys from the Peru training comes up to me and he says, hey, I've been, I, I couldn't wait to tell you. After the training, I was on the phone with my ex-girlfriend. She got a that's right out of me. I was good with it when it happened. I'm still good with it. That's how you want to lead people in your interactions. You want them to feel connected to you. They're not going to expect to get everything but they are going to expect for you to look out for them and treat them as if you're connected to them. You back up. Work on this. This is going to be a little bit of a difficult habit to break. Getting out of the yes habit, you have a yes addiction. Jack Welch author of Jack and Winning, alongside with his wife, Susie. They're coming through uh, Los Angeles a couple of years ago. they're, they're, They're hustling their book, The Real Life MBA. I go to the book signing Jack Welch is at. I want him to come speak to the negotiation course I'm teaching at the time at USC. How many people try to get Jack Welch to say yes to something at that book signing? Pretty much every one of them, right? They're going to come up to him, Jack, how are you? My, yeah, my kid makes, my wife makes a great meatloaf. You want to come to the house tonight? God knows what they're going to ask him. Jack, I got this invention. Would you pose with it? How many people are going to ask him to try to say yes? That day, that week, how many people try to get Jack Welch to say yes to something? You are me, you come up to Jack Welch, what do you say? And how much time do you have? You maybe got seven seconds, and even if you get to the second response after him, there's 300 people standing behind you in line. They walk you up there. Before you get to them, they say, what's your name? Chris, right on a piece of paper so Jack doesn't get it wrong. Really, that's so you don't don't talk to him and that you keep moving. On top of that, have they patted me down? Do they know whether or not I've got a gun? Have I been through a metal detector? As a matter of fact, I do have a gun, but he's not in trouble for me. They don't have my identification. They don't know I'm not gonna hurt them. I'm gonna get within arm's length of Jack Welch. Action is quicker than reaction. They can't stop me from doing anything I want to do. This is, this is the dilemma of bodyguards. You get within arm's length of the target, you can only stop them after they've done it. You can grab them after they've killed your target, but you can't stop them. I'm, I'm gonna get within arm's length of Jack Welch. They, I could do whatever I want. I could walk up to him. I could kiss him right on the lips if I want to, right? <laughs> He was falling asleep, want to make sure he's wake up. <laughs> he's going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night time. Ah! <laughs> I walk up to Jack Welch, and this is what I say to him. Is it a ridiculous idea for you to come and speak at the negotiation course that I teach at USC? He looks up and to the left and gets this really intense scowl on his face and he just freezes. And I think to myself, I just killed Jack Welch. <laughs> he had a stroke, he's so furious, and he's gonna die, and the security's gonna tackle me, and he's gonna drag me on cuffs. And I'm gonna say, but I'm an FBI agent. We don't care, he killed Jack Welch. So initially when he doesn't die, I'm relieved, but he still doesn't move. But finally he unfreezes, and he looks at me and he says, it's my personal assistant's name. This is a special Twitter account we have set up to communicate with her. I will call her and tell her who you are and what you want. I think we're gonna be in Los Angeles in the fall. If we are, we'll come in and speak at your class. Calibrated no is worth at least five
1: yeses. So essentially what you're gonna do when you're doing no-oriented questions is you're gonna make no work for you. Okay, you're gonna get them to give you a yes, but they're actually gonna be able to say no. Yes, when you're when you're going for a yes from somebody and you're constantly trying to get them to say yes, you're taking away their autonomy. And when someone says yes, sometimes it seems like a trap to them. It also seems like no matter what the question is, if they say yes, it's some kind of a commitment that they might not be ready to get into. So instead, ask them a question that they can answer no to, but it actually means yes to you. Because saying no makes people feel protected, makes them feel safe, makes them feel like they still have all their cards hidden and they just feel better about it. So if you put that question, um, in a way that allows them to be negative, it works out better for you also. When you're constantly asking questions that you want a yes answer to, you look like that demanding mother who says, did you clean your room? Did you do the dishes? Did you do this? Did you, did you make your bed? Cause you know, everyone heard that from mom growing up, right? Yeah. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. And it's just like, so annoying. So no one wants to be equated to the demanding mom. So instead you can say, would it be impossible for you to make a copy of this for me? And they're going to want to say no because maybe they don't want to make the copy. I don't know, but they're going to say no, but is it going to mean no? it's going to mean no, it's going to mean yes to you because of the way you phrase the question. So it's really kind of magical how this works. Um, essentially you are demonstrating concern for what this ask, what the impact that ask is going to have on that person. Because you know, when you're asking someone to go run an errand for you, ooh, would it be impossible for you to run to the store and get this for me? Okay. You're, you're saying, yeah, by my tone of voice, I'm letting you know that I know this is, might be inconvenient for you, but would it be impossible for you to just do this for me? Proper tone is important. Um, Davey, take the next one sets of the powerful feeling of graciousness. You're better at this one than I am. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, because you can use the, I mean, there are a few phrases that are really go-to for an questions. So would it be impossible to, would it be ridiculous? Would it be um, out of the question? Like those are three really good go-to's. If you want to make it a little bit more specific. So for example, like um, say that you have to move a meeting, like this happens to me a lot, right? Um, Then you say, would it throw off your whole, like, I know you're already busy. Would it throw off your whole schedule if we moved this meeting? So it's it's almost this opportunity again to express understanding, to express like, hey, I know you're busy. This might throw everything off. So you can even phrase the question in that way, right? Or something I really like to do is, would it be really difficult to, or would it be bothersome to? So like you can use whatever you think like, well, they might feel like this is annoying, or they might feel like um, this is going to be really problematic for them. And so then you say that in, the, in that no-oriented question. It's almost like a way that you can kind of address whatever it is that they're going to feel within the no-oriented question, essentially. So it makes it feel kind of gracious because you've thought about this. You've thought about how is this going to impact you? Instead of just making an ask and making sure they do it, you're thinking about, okay, this is going to impact this person in, in this way. and you express that and then they're even more likely to want to do what you're asking essentially
1: it also depending on the kind of question that you're asking and some of the things that Davy was just saying kind of fall under this makes the other side feel like the decision to do the action was theirs so if you and you can double whammy them with an accusations audit um yeah you may think i'm i'm being so irresponsible with my time and my schedule would it be impossible or would it put you in a bad position if we could move the meeting to three o'clock? And then they're going to say, oh, no, no, it's okay. We, we can move the meeting. It's going to feel like the decision was theirs because you you basically asked that question <clears throat> in a way that it feels like they can decide whether or not they can make the movement. But because it was kind of geared at a no-oriented question, it makes them feel like they were nice enough to take that action for you. And it was their decision. Yeah. Okay, like so the ball does. was in their court. They're doing this for you. Yeah and it, it that lets is,
2: them feel like they're
1: being nice exactly and that is huge when you're talking about um where you stand psychologically with somebody because the more you make somebody feel like they are in control the better they feel even when they're not in control because you know you're asking the questions in such a way that you are literally in control but you're letting them feel like they have the control um so that that does do something for people in their brains so it's just something to really keep You know in the forefront of your mind when you're about to ask someone a yes question that you want a yes to take two seconds to frame it so that they can say no but still mean yes to you
2: yeah exactly then they feel like they're the ones that are
1: that they're maintaining power essentially yes because no is a powerful thing to be able to say to someone
3: and so that should apply to the normative questions as well as you can see on the slide here, on the left, we have our classic yes questions. On the right, we have our classic versions of how to begin a no questions. Would it be impossible? Is it a bad idea? Am I out of line? Is it, would it be out of the question? And so, what I'm gonna ask from you now, here's a chance to get some more coaching from Sandy. This slide is, an, is, is a more extensive list of classic yes questions that everybody asks. I'm guilty of asking them in the past. People on our team were even guilty of asking these things in the past. And so pick one or two of the questions off this list. And please translate it to a no oriented question in the chat. And the other thing about this, this is actually a fairly decent prep model. Any yes question can easily be translated to a no question. A good way to do it, 10-15 minutes before you walk into a negotiation, you want to work on your no-oriented questions. Take a piece of paper, draw a line down the center. On the left, add, put the questions that you would normally want to say, have them say yes to. Don't you agree that this is going to help your company? Don't you want to sign this contract? Don't you want to move forward so we don't waste any more time? Whatever. Draw that line and on the right, just simply put the no oriented translation of what that is. And that's a really good way to start getting yourself acclimated, starting to develop your go-to list as it were. And so last thing I want to mention about this, something we highlight in the book but it's not laid out here in the slides It's simply the question that's phrased, are you against? And this, if you're in any sort of sales role, maybe sales isn't necessarily attached to your title, but there is a sales element to what you do. And for all intents and purposes, we're always selling ourselves, right? I mean, we all know that inherently. And so this, are you against? has actually shown to be a tremendous closer in the sales world or the closing world, right? However you like to look at it. And simply, are you against moving forward? You've gotten all the way through the conversation, the value has been established, the rapport has been established, and you still seem to be at impasse. That's a great question for that moment. And it's yielded tremendous results. And so we want to offer that to you and allow you to start using it too. So please feel free, get your list started, get your go-tos going, and you're going to find yourself in a much better place.
0: Subscribe to the Black Swan Group's negotiation newsletter, which is free. It doesn't cost you anything. I had a colleague at the FBI that used to like to say, if it's free, I'll take three. Here's how you subscribe to The Edge if you're in the United States. Send a text to the number is 33777. That's 33777. The text message that you send is Black Swan Method, Black Swan Method 233777. Comes to your email inbox on Tuesday mornings when you're ready to rock and roll and get after the week.